0: where are we going welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by spirit watch ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org now. Here's Pastor Raphael.
1: Hello, I'm Raphael Martinez, a minister within the Church of God Cleveland movement and the director of Spare Watch Ministries, a Christian outreach that provides biblical discernment in a time of deception. The podcast you've come across today is called Where Are We Going? People increasingly ask that kind of question more and more and are conflicted and confusing and even volcanic times. So increasingly, We are bewildered and wondered at often just where things are actually headed, which is why we ask the question. Now, we've not really touched on our take on many current events or hot-button issues, but as we've always asserted, Scripture provides for us the clearest answer to such questions. You can trust the Bible, and and it's pages there that when we read, we see that Jesus said definitively when he was asked of his disciples that kind of question in Matthew chapter 24. When they asked him what was the end of the world and the sign of his coming, he said, take heed, no one deceive you. As the first sign he pointed to. And Spare Watch Ministries has been contending for the truth about where we're going since 1993. And I'm thankful to have the privilege of bringing what insight we can about it from our own perspective. And thanks for stopping by. We really do appreciate your tuning in, show, so to speak, or downloading. We want to welcome all of our new listeners from Amazon, Google, and Spotify, and We want to thank you for stopping by and we want to hope you bookmark us and return again sometime. We hope that the next few moments of an expose interview we're going to be having with a former member of the Xenos slash dwell cultic movement in uh, Columbus, Ohio, that uh, it'll be a time of, of eye-opening insight and, uh, remembering what has gone on in the past certainly enables us to understand where we are and where we're to head in the future. And, and that guest today we have on our podcast is certainly going to enable us to get to that next step.
2: Today, we're welcoming Joe Nelson to our podcast. Uh, Joe is a former member and has served in leadership positions uh, at the uh, Barrett and Zenos Well Wellcott that we've been focusing on this past year. Uh, we've had some scheduling issues the past few months, uh, trying to get new people on streaming here. It's not for lack of desire. It's just been we've been extremely busy ourselves. Um, we've been really busy uh cracking down and getting a expose done on the Gladstone cult in Cincinnati. There's a lot being said about Zenos, rightfully so, everywhere. But no one seems there's really nothing anywhere about discussing 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 or, or doing like an expose on this movement in Cincinnati, which is where I've been the past several weeks. So we tried to squeeze out uh, podcasts and information where we can, and I think uh, last week we just we we presented a, um, a, a long-standing need to uh, discuss why the way down workshop, um, championed by the ex, uh, by the, well by the late Gwen Lara doesn't really work. So that's just one of the things we've been trying to do. But at the same time, we have been trying those other people here, and I'm, I'm glad, Joe, that you're with us, and I hope the spacious green room in back had the coffee donuts that you like.
3: Oh, thanks. It's great to be here.
2: Uh, it's good, good to have you here. So, well, we've been, um, as you know, as you certainly know, we have been talking about uh, the Dwell and Xenos movement. Uh, it's been almost a year now. I mean, it was exactly a year ago, actually, today. That we first began really digging into and doing the work of the documentary, uh, in Columbus. The documentary has yet to forthcome, uh, that we're leaving that up to the production company that, 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 uh, uh had us come along and do this. Um, but we had done quite a bit of work in that. So it was about almost a year ago that we were in Columbus. And I, I will say I will never sure. look at Columbus the same again. I've been in now that lovely town many times. Yeah. I enjoy driving there. It's, it's just a great place to be, hang around. It's good energy about it. But at the same time, when we drove around looking at ministry houses and looking at the things that uh, people were identifying us as, as what they what they looked like and how we could tell them <laughs> from the local uh, communities there and realizing that these are extensions of Xenos' of authority and, and programming for people's life, I was aghast. Quite aghast, but unfortunately, this isn't a new thing. Uh, it's been around a long time, and Joe, you uh, were around s- several years back, and you were, had been uh, quite involved with it, and, and you saw where it was going uh, back, I, What? I think you remember back in 2004, I think it was, you said?
3: Yeah, I actually started going to ZEOS in the late 80s when I was a senior in high school. Oh, wow. Uh, and I ceased Going
2: in 2005. Okay, that's, um, that, uh, that's where I, my, my, that's where I got crossed. Okay. So you'd been around, you'd, you'd seen it, you'd seen what's going on in it from the 80s onward. So, well, I mean, yeah. when you got involved, were you, were you, you, you weren't a Xenos baby, you were someone who just was attending a high school or, or middle school and you got, uh, uh, drawn in that way?
3: Yeah, so I was, um <coughs> excuse me. I, uh, one of my best friends from high school uh, attended and that was my bridge to Xenos. Um, at the time I was really involved in a sincere s- search for spirituality that fit. And um, when I started going to Xenos, so there were a lot of things about it that appealed to me and it didn't take very long for me to dive in at first.
2: All right. So there's quite a bit going on there that just, Yes, yeah, so it's just a lot of moving parts, a lot of bright lights and color. And I mean, what was it that drew you? I mean, what, what, what I mean, did you have a, a church background at all? I mean, you, did you have, um, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, what did what they use to, to gain purchase over you as they sort of say?
3: Yeah. So I, I kind of grew up, um, in a, a tangential relationship with, you know, well established Protestant churches, um, what Zenos would call a nominal church. Um, And, you know, I I grew disenchanted with it in early adolescence. And really the source of my disenchantment was the lack of sort of intellectual um, vigor. You know, I had a lot of questions about God and spirituality and the Bible and a lot of questions that I think most people think about at one point or another but no one had really good answers to these questions until I started going to Xenon. And I really encountered, um, what, you know, appeared to be really solid answers to these questions. And that intrigued me. Plus there was sort of, um, the level of like personal interaction was a lot different than I had experienced in other churches.
2: Really? In what way?
3: Uh, people were just very involved with each other, and at first I found that really appealing. Uh, you know, in hindsight, I think that it's fair to characterize it as love bombing. Uh, yeah, okay. It's a, you know, is a very, very tight-knit community, um, probably to a fault, uh, just the degree in, of it. And, um, you know, so I, I, you know, came in there as a, my senior year of high school, and I was, you know, fraught with insecurities, and people there really gave me a lot of love and attention, and that's something that I that felt really good at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, what other ways did they do this love bombing? I mean, that's that's a that's a potent term, but I think it's a fair one. Uh, it's it's a way to lure people deeper into uh, more more socially manipulative contexts of interaction. It's just how they drew you in. That may sound good. What, 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 are, what are some of the things they did that really, uh, you know, other than that they seem, you know, like very interactive and very intellectual, what other things did they do to kind of really, kind of really uh, hook you there?
3: Well, um, you know, they, they really draw you into the uh, intense schedule. Uh, I came in to, I guess, what you could call the college aged home church. Um, and, you know, it's, it's basically a minimum of three meetings a week. Wow! And I also yeah. moved into a ministry house pretty much right away. So I'll, I'll say this: like I, I actually had a sincere conversion experience at a central teaching in Xenos where mm-hmm. I accepted Christ and became a Christian. And it was a very profound experience for me and very real. I, I to this day, I don't doubt my identity as a Christian and, uh, you know, that's the Holy spirit. And, uh, I know that my eternal destiny is set because of Jesus. So, and that's thanks to that experience in Xenos. by the way, that was with an elder who also church, but, um, so, and the reason I consider it love bombing is because it had strings attached to it and sort of, um, And and they had an end in mind that wasn't explicitly stated from the beginning. And that was complete and total involvement and the willingness to abandon all else. So I, I came into Xenos. Um, I had specific goals for my career. I had been accepted in in, my career was to be a a musician and I'd been accepted into a really great college, but it was out in another city. Um, and so for example, Within months of my conversion and involvement, they were really pressing me hard to not go to that school and to stay in Columbus. <clears throat> and on the one hand, you could say, well, they just really liked me and they wanted me to stay. But when, the, when these discussions happened, it was, it was presented as if if I did leave, then I would be making a compromise in my, my relationship with God.
2: Mm, yeah. And
3: so, you know, I was, I was basically as a young Christian, um, having this first really profound experience with God. There was sort of this side dish served with that that said, you need to stay here or your relationship with God will be compromised. Right. And, you know, I didn't want to compromise my relationship with God. So I decided to stay and I actually decided to completely abandon my. My career goals, no. which in hindsight was, was something I deeply regret. Right. And I, and was unnecessary. I, they were just plain old wrong about that.
2: Right. And that's something that we've, we've talked about this quite often here that among all movements with questionable backgrounds, there's always this concerted effort that the group's influencers, for lack of a better word, are going to place upon the shoulders of their recruits to divide them from their family and their pre-cult lives and their personal direction. That's, and that's a great, (laughs) unfortunately that's a, that's a, that's a sad, but that's, but that's a really good example of that. Uh, Was that something you saw? That's something that that went down in other people's lives as we've been hearing over the past year or so? And it's it's one of the reasons that that it shows that they really do have some very serious issues they ever got in control.
3: Yeah. And it's, And it's not, it's nothing that's explicitly stated, but it's, it's something that happens de facto just from the sheer schedule. I mean, you're looking at somebody who comes in, especially the college ministry is looking at a minimum three nights a week of meetings. And, and, but on, on top of that, they want you to take classes. So that's four nights. Then you want, you want to have like, get together with like a discipler. So that's five nights.
2: Mm. Yeah.
3: You know, to really yeah. be a good a good xenoid or dweller or whatever they're called these days, you're you're kind of committing to four or five nights a week. So with that schedule, it's like impossible to maintain relationships outside of the church. You know, of mm-hmm. any quality. Right. It's so you're so never beautiful. gonna go to a Bible teaching and hear them say it, you know, hear them decry time with family or commitment to a career it's just something that happens uh de facto because of the schedule
2: right they're not exclusive about that but ultimately they're, they you know they they're going to be they're going to be ruthlessly ruthlessly uh pressuring you to to make those 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 pairings to shave those things out of your life because it just seems the natural thing to do the right thing to do the godly thing to do right
3: oh yeah yeah i mean if you if you back off of those things and you will be confronted in some way and it's always couched in terms of we love you and this is we want what's best for you but what it amounts to is you know you need to make a commitment that that word commitment is the buzzword at xenos
2: to these meetings and uh and it's stifling yeah
3: it's just it's too much
2: it is and that's exactly what it is it is stifling you couldn't have picked a better word for that one yeah so when you're in, so you went from zero to 100 miles an hour. I mean, you hit the ground yeah. running. They got you and they got you in the rabbit run and they put you, put the leash on and they had you going and you felt that this was you know, a, a godly way to live. This, this is the constant running in and running out, picking yourself up, you know, keeping a tight schedule. Um, you, how much really critical thought did you do through all that? You just you just did, right? You didn't think; you just did.
3: I just did, and and the thing is, is that the whole time they're also, you know, you go to these teachings and these classes, and critical thought is is championed, but it also has a lot of caveats. So it's it's critical thought, but not really. You can't really be critical of the teachings and the expectations of the church, right? Right. No. And that's where, that's where I believe, like I, I actually did have critical thoughts and questions and I would try to interact with some of the leadership about it and I would be shut down. I mean, hard, shut down hard with these questions. So on the one hand, they'll say, you know, we welcome questions, we welcome dialogue, but there are certainly certain taboo topics that that will get shut down. And, and usually those have to do with spiritual authority of the leaders, um, you know, the schedule, decisions that the leaders make. Uh, those are the taboo topics that get shut down.
2: Yeah, yeah. So in other words, they would tell you, okay, question everybody, question everything, think for yourself, but but don't question us.
3: Right, right. yeah. It's basically question everything else.
2: Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's again another another well established practices of movements like that. You know, they um, they control uh, thinking to the point where uh, you can control behavior. Uh, if someone's involved yeah. in the group and their thinking and their mindset are, are so are so controlled, uh, it's easy to get them to run in, in the path that they want. You know, and that's and that's part of, of the deception. Of any questionable group, you know, it's it's what we've called cultic mind control. Cults, movements, do that sort of thing. And even though it's uncomfortable to bring up the word cult, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's not a very good word to use. I've never liked using it, but there's really no other better term that I think communicates clearly just how how destructive or questionable can be by by calling someone that because it is a group that that rotates around. The entire whims of the leadership, no matter what it costs of the members, and then, of course with you guys. I mean, you're not alone. I mean, we we've we've heard this sort of thing over and over again young men and women like yourselves at the height of your strength and your passion, your commitment, being told to commit it in a way that just costs you, it, it wrecks your life, and, and and as we've as we've heard, also destroys people's. Um, Ability to think, ability to consider things, as much as they don't want to discuss that. Like you said, they—they they that's the way they work. Um, yeah,
3: and, and uh, you know, the irony of it, Raphael, is—is is that um, I mean, these things are presented as a way to be effective as a Christian, and right. and specifically right. that means how many people you can lead to the Lord, and and then disciple in 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 uh, you know the ways of the Lord. Right. And the irony is, Raphael, is that I, I did a, I spent a summer with an organization called Youth with a Mission, where, and this specific branch of, of, or YWAM as it's called, uh-huh. this specific branch of YWAM, uh, puts band, musical bands together, um, they rehearse for a month, and then they send them out all over the world to do these sort of evangelical concert tours. And that one summer was far more fruitful in terms of evangelism than any other period of my life. And, and just to clarify the irony of that is that I was discouraged from pursuing a career in music so that I could have a fruitful Christian life. But, you know, when I was able to focus on that, it turned out to be the exact opposite. And that's, that's proven true in the last 15 years that I've not been involved in Zenos. Mm. Just, just loaded with irony
2: mm, right the very thing that you thought would be so crushing turns out to be quite freeing doesn't it oh yeah oh yeah yeah right so at what point did you start to recognize that there is a serious problem or a serious imbalance uh there in your life i mean i'm sure you're just happily along doing what they're saying but at uh, what point did you did you stop and start to smell of pizza, so to speak, and, and actually recognize there's uh, something not quite right? Here.
3: Well, that was unfortunately way too long of a journey for me. I, I um, so in Xenos, there's sort of a good list and a bad list. The leaders kind of have these um, lists of people, and sometimes a, a literal written list. Because I served in leadership and I've com- helped compose of those lists. Um, and I, especially with um, the Martha McCallum side, I was most certainly on the bad list. and uh, hmm. And when you're on that list, it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like growing up, it's sort of like being in an environment where you work under the assumption that there's something wrong with you that uh, there's a deficit that you need to overcome before you consider yourself um, as okay. Uh, and I mean, these are, these are things that people will literally say to you, but right. uh, it's, so it's a, but it's also an assumption. So when you interact with leadership there or other people that buy in, you know, believe everything that leaders say, uh, they're going to come at you with this assumption, like there's something wrong with you. And I lived under that for years, but I, I really didn't realize it at the time. And so I started feeling really depressed and hopeless, and um, I had a lot of trouble like dating. Uh, it seemed like women there just didn't really. It seemed like uh, my branding as a as a pariah was, you know, they sensed it, and so uh, I just started to get really depressed and sad and and uh, hopeless. And as the years went by, those things got, got worse. And after 15 years of, of, um, Man. being, you know, what I would call pretty, you know, sin, I never, I never really indulged in what would be considered serious sinful activity or behavior. Uh, but after 15 or so years of that, I did fall into some of those. And, uh, and then I, you know, I, I actually I kept it a secret for a little while, but then I confessed it all. I quit doing them, and then I confessed it all. <clears throat> and at that point, the leadership branded me as a threat to the church. And, and these are these are actual words that were told to me that I was a I was a threat to the church, and that since I had actually stopped the sinful behavior, they couldn't technically kick me out. But uh, an elder and a director. Insisted that I meet with them and give them all the juicy details of what I've been doing, hmm. which actually I was terrified to do because I knew they were going to beat me over the head with a spiritual bat. Um, so, been, and I tried to refuse to do it, but they said, "You know, if I if I don't meet with them, then they'll kick me out of the church." Which at the time I, you know, I saw sort of the ultimate failure, right? And my yeah. life was already filled yeah. with failure, so I didn't want more of that. So I, I did, and man, they really did. They beat me. They beat me hard. It was, it was shocking. And one of them actually said, uh, "If it were up to me, I would kick you out of the church right now." Mm. And uh, you know, it, to me, it just it was stunning. I, it was like spiritual abuse. And were, one of my best friends was at this meeting, and he just sort of sat there and watched this go down and didn't do anything did nothing and um and then uh, a few days later they wrote a letter to some of the members of my home church describing the sin that i had gotten into and then they they said you know the purpose of this letter was for reconciliation which i knew was not true because the elder had explicitly stated otherwise if it were up to him i'd be out of the church so um and and the other thing was is they didn't tell me they were going to write this letter. They didn't ask me or forewarn me. What they did is they copied me on it. So I learned about the letter after it had been delivered. And to me that was just yeah, another beating. I mean it was like you're you don't matter to us at all and so we're not going to bother telling you about this letter. <laughs> and um and so I just I left the church. I finally got hurt enough to leave. And I tell you, Rafael, all the other um, hurts came clear in hindsight. I never would have. If I were still in that church, I I honestly don't know if I'd still be alive today. um, Because I was starting to become suicidal.
2: Mm, Yeah.
3: It was terrible. It was terrible. It was the most depressing era of my life. And I'm so glad I left, and I'm so glad that I finally got perspective on these things. It took a long time. It took a lot of counseling and a lot of effort because I did not have any resources. Mm. And, my, you know, all my friends, uh, except for one person, really completely abandoned me.
2: Um, yeah,
3: yeah. Wanted nothing to do with me. And so when you leave Xenos, you're kind of you're on your own. So once right. I, many, many years later, when I finally got perspective on this, I decided there's something like I need to do something for people that were in my situation.
2: Mm-hmm. And so I
3: started a Facebook group. Okay. Um, at All the right. time it was called, it it was called, um, it turns out we're okay. Cause you know, one thing that they, in Xenos is if they tell you, if you leave, then you certainly won't be okay. And, uh, but that turned out to be the, the opposite was true. And, uh, and the, the Facebook group, like, exploded hmm. with members that were, that needed support.
2: Right. And what year was this? This was like 2007, 2008, I think, something like that. Uh,
3: no, it was probably around 2014 or
2: 15. Okay. But you left in 2007, 2008, right?
3: 2005.
2: 2005. Five. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
3: 2005. And, you know, it took me five, to seven years to get back on my feet because I, outside of like one-on-one professional counseling, I really didn't have any support.
2: Right. So you didn't know. You, you did you know or no. did you 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 had no connection with other former members at all after you got out?
3: Very very little, very little. And but once we started the Facebook group, it really took uh, you know a turn for the positive.
2: Oh. Great. Yeah. How, how many people joined to begin with? I mean, I, I understand it was a quite, like I said, explosive group. Uh, uh, there was quite explosive growth once you finally got it launched. The word got around.
3: Yeah. So it, you know, it, it started small. I, I really didn't. In, I had no idea how many people had left Xenos like me, like I did. That felt hurt. Um So you know, it was small for a short time. But then there was this article in a local newspaper. And they mentioned the name of the group, and it it immediately exploded to uh, I think around four hundred members, maybe five
2: wow, incredible, um, yeah, and that group yeah. still goes on today,
3: yeah, it still exists and I think there's even more than one actually,
2: well, yeah, oh, yeah, there's been quite a bit of growth I and mean, that's that's good to hear you you know I think the uh the fact that there is so much interest in these. Uh, just speaks to the fact that, uh, well, and Xenos have a lot to answer for. There's a lot going on that they don't want to admit. And that's, and that's been the overall conclusion, you know, the past year. They're just drawing in their lines and getting more and more, uh, extreme in their self-defense. And they're, they're even paranoid. I mean, the fact that we've, uh, entertained certain things have just really, has really shown that. So, uh, so, well, uh, so you got involved in the group. What, what, what was, uh, what, what is it like? I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not asking you to how anybody or say anything, but you know, when you, when you're a former member of a place like Xenos and you enter into a group like that, what, what can a person enter into? What can, what, what can they expect? Uh, what are some of the things, or in this case, what did they find, uh, in, when you were involved?
3: Well, you know, to me, it was really important that it, that it be a group for, anybody who had left Xenos and felt hurt in some way. Um, so, you know, I wanted all faiths to be respected because, you know, sometimes people leave and they decided they, they're they atheists or some mm-hmm. other religion. Uh, there's a lot of people in the um, LGBTQ community that join, which yeah. is great. Um, you know, I wanted it to be a place where, Nobody is judged based on any of those things. It's solely for support, you know, because when you leave, a lot of times you think I'm I'm actually making a serious compromise here, I, a negative compromise in my life um, and being selfish by leaving. And I think it's good to go to a place where people say, no, no, it's okay to leave. You know, some of these things that you experienced were truly abusive. And uh, just hearing those words from other people that had similar experiences is powerful. And, yeah. and, you know, people talk about their stories and people talk about their feelings mm-hmm. and they talk about how they've overcome a lot of the, the scars that they've sustained, being uh, mm-hmm. right. they involved there. So, right. um, in that sense, it's super powerful and super positive, um, you know, place to go. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not really a place to go for like professional counseling. Although I think there's probably resources to find that in the group, mm-hmm. um, but it's just a community of former members who, who say, you know, you're okay. I I had a similar experience, and I, and, and it's okay. And that's yeah. pretty much the extent of it.
2: Great, fantastic. They're still going on. I understand they they have meetups every now and then throughout the uh, the area that, and they're having yeah. uh, you know encounters which people actually come together and and make bread. Have you know, sit down, visit, chat a while, and that that's. That's always a good thing too. So it's it's certainly yeah. been been a good development for that. So, um, in light of the fact that you know we have you know uh, seen so much this past year. Uh, I, I, well, uh, let me just say this in in retrospective. I mean, we're, to me, I feel like I'm the, I'm, what we've tried to do, me and Megan Cox of the Beyond Zion Foundation, what we try to do, we're, we're kind of like the new kids on the block. We just try to come in and, and affirm the, the, the terrible things that uh, you folks have experienced, former members have endured, and we try to confront them. And uh, I know our work is not the only thing. There's a lot of other people who've tried to do likewise. They have other podcasts and of course you're, there's all kinds of things, exposes in, in, uh, I think, uh, the WOSUs, I think, uh, had a expose, I think a few years back. There's all yeah. kinds of things coming out. Um websites, um and, and so we're, we're just one brick in the, in the wall, so to speak. But in the, in the year that we, I'm just, I'm saying all that to say, in the year that we have been involved, it's, it's just uniformly amazing to me just how much stonewalling, and I use the word very deliberately, how much stonewalling that, that Xenos' leadership will do when finally confronted. They just will not accept any responsibility. Um, they continue to go on as if, as if, uh, the problem is really in somebody's addled heads. As if all the people who are complaining uh were all just a bunch of spiritual losers. They'll do all they can to uh, you know, of course, uh blacken the character of those who, who actually pointing some very serious things. Uh, what what yeah. are your comments? What are your feelings about, about how the church has been responding this past year to the uh I think a very sharp escalation in and calls for accountability to it?
3: Yeah, you know, at first I felt a lot of optimism and hope that their response would be repentance like admission of what of the truth and repentance but I'm not sure why I experienced why I felt that way because it, people have been saying these things for a long long time and the response response from the leadership has has been the same since I've known about it from the 80s and that is that uh people that leave and have these grievances um, have basically stopped walking with God or have abandoned the yeah. faith um, and have spiritually compromised. Uh, and, and so there, that's basically the crux of the response. And it's really sad because there's so much potential. Like I, I personally of the belief that there's a lot of really positive things about that church. Um, mm-hmm. And that the, the, the problems that exist there, you know, are, Could be resolved by through the power of the Holy Spirit solely because solving it through human effort is just—I don't think that it's possible. The 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 root problems there were woven into the DNA of that church at its inception, Uh so Uh it it would really take nothing but nothing short of God's power to to weed it out. Right, Um, and I don't think that they're seeking that. Um, and so you know that that bums me out, it makes me sad, yeah because uh because a the potential's lost, and also because they're gonna continue to hurt people right and i you know and I think that, that by doing that that they're uh, literally hurting the name of god i mean it's it's a yeah, it's not it doesn't reflect positive on true Christianity.
2: When they, when they report in their responses, oh, uh, well, you know, we, we understand people are going to have a problem because we take a strong stand for, for biblical integrity, biblical fidelity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I wonder what, 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 what has that got to do with the fact that people are being told, hey, we don't like being verbally pistol whipped by 20 people at once. How, how is that, uh, how does that connect? I mean, how does that work?
3: Yeah, well, you basically have to – there's two things about that, Raphael, that um, at first and foremost, the commitment to biblical veracity or fidelity there, I think it is sincere, but there's a serious gap in it in that um, leaders there are willing to pursue their own intuition even above – The Bible's actual words, and I I have specific examples where leadership was faced with um, a practice that was sanctioned clearly by the Bible, but they felt like it wasn't a good idea, and forbid uh, to uh, to the detriment of of people's spirituality and feelings. And the other thing is that um, to to take the stance that they're taking, you basically have to separate um, people's feelings and experience from spiritual growth mm-hmm. uh, and so they, i mean they basically what they're saying is that um it doesn't really matter if you feel hurt or abused because what we're doing here is is um so much more important than that that it literally doesn't matter right and right. I, I, don't think the, I don't think that i don't think that's something the lord agrees with
2: well, absolutely absolutely i agree i agree well, one thing we've we've talked about, and we've mentioned the fact, is that one of the things that really I, I've come to learn about Zenos is that while they may claim a very high level, um, uh, you know, uh, allegiance and submission to the authority of Scripture, and that they may they can quote the Bible better than me, uh, that they they look and sound just so orthodox, you know, they could they know all, they know exactly how to come off. As sounding you know very very biblically uh grounded for all of that uh they really incorporate in and in what 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 uh we've come to discuss as as an actual hidden curriculum there's a there's a a very very well um nuanced um verbal tradition that is there in which yes you can affirm first Corinthians 13 as the love chapter of the Bible and that we should live by that we should be loving and yet at the same time they can turn right around and just and just absolutely uh terrify and traumatize people using group's dynamics in the most unloving way and this is something sanctioned by leadership this verbal tradition is what's called, is is what really is at the heart Of Zeus' authority and and its power and and its ability to damage. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, yeah. Their, their, um, their practice of spiritual authority is, is way off balance. And, uh, and I think that, you know, that's part of the problem. But yeah, definitely. I mean, there's the, the things that they say from the pulpit and the practices, there's often a, a conflict of interest there. Yeah. And, I, and I've i experienced the, the pain
2: of it. Yeah. Personally. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you're putting it very, very nicely. I, I certainly would view it a lot more, uh, a lot more outrage, out, a, lot, a lot more in outrage because really that's what it comes down to. How, how a group that claims to know the Bible better than anyone else on the planet and be God's end time um, manifestation of uh, true New Testament evangelism can turn around and you know just just damage so many people if they step out of the group's agenda. I mean, that to me, yeah, yeah. that that's, that's, that says it right there.
3: Yeah, and really, once you're deemed as a threat to the church, there's there's no holds barred, and every you know the the ends justify the means. I mean, they they will be senseless if you're deemed as a threat to the church.
2: Right. So there's actually a grudging. There's, there's not only the, the, the commitment to monitoring and, and putting surveillance over people, but there's also that willingness to brand people and and, and render them enemies and and let me put the Scarlet letter on them to, for, and, and be held up as examples within Xenos. That's what I keep hearing again and again from our, from the, those who've been here.
3: Yeah, and having said that in leaders' meetings, that's, that's undeniable fact.
2: No. That those things occur, yes. Yeah, unbelievable. So, so as you left, when you, when you got out, uh, and you finally started working through things, uh, you got therapy you got, uh, forms of professional help, which is wonderful. How important, uh, was that, would that, be, or let me ask you this, how important a step do you think that would be for those who leave, those who leave a place like Xenos? I mean, just to go off and, and, and walk away is one thing, but to just sit and let the hammers of their authority bang in your head, that that simply can't be, can't be healthy. You need someone to help block those things.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of options, uh, for people that want to, want to leave. Uh, there's some, you know, there's all kinds of great churches that have very similar, uh, standard evangelical doctrine. In Columbus, um, but for people that think that might not be for them, there's other options as well. You know, I would, a great and easy way to start is to check out some of these Facebook support groups. Um, and also, you know, for me, I really needed professional counseling. Uh, specifically, there are some forms of counseling that are great for PTSD that I definitely had. Uh, You know, I experienced profound suicidal depression for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I don't anymore thanks to the counseling and, uh, you know, some other, other things. And, um, so I've, I've known some people that left and didn't go back into a church and they were fine with it. Um, you know, it's, it's it's really up to the individual. Some people might want to jump to another church. Uh, actually, when I, when I first left, I had started attending a vineyard. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I moved to the Wash. I moved to Washington, D.C. So for a job.
2: I see. Um, um, sure. Is there anything you'd like to say to anybody who's left behind who might be listening? Is there something you might want to share? And is uh a, a, a comments or uh, maybe a message for someone? Is there anything you'd like to share?
3: Yeah. And that's, you know, from my experience and from many other experiences that I've observed, it's okay to leave there. Life can get better if, if it's possible that dwell is not a good fit for you. Um, and it's okay. It, you know, some people love it there, but if you feel, if you're still in, in that church and it, and it feels weird, it's okay to check something out and regardless of what you're, you're told and, um, and just give it a chance if, if you feel like that's good for you. It can yeah. work out. God is, God is bigger than that or any church.
2: Roger that. I heard that. Thank you, Joe, for coming on today. We appreciate you taking your time and a busy schedule to visit with us, and uh, we look forward to have you on here again sometime. Uh, we're, we're, as I said, we are, are anticipating more Xenosverse verse streams when we gather together former members to chat and share. I hope you'll be. I hope you can. You can come along.
0: Yeah, please. I'd love
3: to. I'd love to be back. All right.
0: Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.